is it? Episode 532 with my phone drops onto the floor here at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. My name is Justin Severson, the host each and every week here at Acme. My guest this week is one of my favorites, Mike Kaplan. Happy to be back. Thank you so much. Always great to see you. And your phone dropping. Uh, you're a true professional. You're like, we've already started. For, we've been going for a second and a half. We don't have time to take it again. I've already written down officially. I did the clap. Like, we are rolling. It reminds me, do you know there's a comedian named Lord Corette? No, I don't. First name Lord, last name Corette. I worked with him years ago, and he told me that he was on a mission for a, a period of time to do a comedy recording, uh, an, an album many years ago, that uh, he was, I think he eventually did achieve it spoiler alert that uh it was called unsweetened maybe that wasn't the exact name but he wanted to have like no editing of any kind at all like levels nothing oh, and no. he had one one take where he got the show completely except for i think at the very beginning he like pulls the microphone out of the stand and it makes like a loud popping sound that would not be okay in a recording in people's ears. And, you know, the, the editor or whoever he's working with, they're like, well, surely just that's... And he's like, nope, that is... Uh, I would have to stay in if we did it. We're going to do it again. Get another one. And many years later, they got it. And many years later, I still haven't heard of this guy. So maybe that's <laughs> why. I don't know. He is... Yeah, he's wonderful. He's hilarious. I don't know where he is these days, but I wish him well and hope he gets here soon. He just called and asked for a guest set tonight. Uh, that's, I, I would welcome it. I'd be happy to see him. That's fantastic. So uh, we need to catch up on, so when, when you were here last year, it was, uh, you were, let's see, how do we say this? You were getting ready to leave for Scotland. That's right. Yeah, I was, uh, this was, I think the last comedy club where I was running uh, the hour that I would bring to the Edinburgh Fringe Fest in August of 2023. Uh, and I, I loved doing it here. And then, yeah, went it, it was really super helpful and valuable in uh, bringing it over to the UK. And how did it go over there? Oh, uh, well, I will, let's just say, it was, it was great. I love it there. I will say that there are some aspects, uh, some parts of the show that uh, work better in America. Uh, I'll give you a specific example Love that it. there's a part of the show where I uh, pretend that I'm not good at doing an Australian accent. And in so doing, uh, I, I say I'm going to attempt an Australian accent, but instead I do a New York Italian accent, which would be very, that would be a horrible attempt at an Australian accent if it were what I were trying to do. However, uh, didn't realize the calculus of over there, my actual being from near New York, having it, you know, like I, I've heard that people outside of the US uh, can really, they can definitely distinguish between a few different kinds of, you know, uh, American accents, you know, the Southern accent is distinct from the New York accent is maybe distinct from the California, you know, whatever it might be. But uh, there's not as much nuance in between the same way that we we know there's like a Cockney accent and then like a proper posh British accent. There's like a bunch of different UK accents. You know, you've got your uh, I'm just going to list them all. Uh, <laughs> but uh, how much time do we have? And 
This is all to say that, uh, so I went over with my, my girlfriend, Rini, uh, who co-created the show with me as it is about our relationship. And when we were sort of, you know, debriefing after a few times, so anyway, I did it. And it, uh, at one point, uh, we, we figured out a way to make it work where I made it seem, all I did was make it clear that I know, like, it's not the case that I don't know what I'm doing, that I, but I, what I am doing, that I know what I'm doing is pretending that I don't know what I'm doing, but that all of those translations didn't come across in our earliest shows over there because wow. uh, after one of the shows, an Australian man came up to me and said, mate, that was not very good about my Australian accent, which was, hey, I'm Australian over here. Come on, give me a, yeah. Uh, and Did you judge his then? I Matt? mean, I, his was pretty good. But to to be to be fair, like it makes sense that my you know my actual voice compared to the non-Australian New York Italian accent, which is quote not my actual voice, like you know to people who speak you know with an Australian accent or a British accent of some kind, like. To them, the, both of my accents, which to me sound completely different and ridiculous, they're like, that. maybe that is what it sounds like when he's trying to do an Australian accent. Uh, good luck. Oh, but no. Other than that. You sort of had to dumb it down. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to, it was important, you know, if, look, if you speak a language that your audience doesn't speak, uh, they're not going, you know, if I was going to go to France, it would probably behoove me to, uh, you know, maybe do my act in French and they'll, uh, they'll understand more of it than if they don't speak English and I don't speak French. Um, and so, yeah, I would say I, I, I wasn't dumbing it down. I was smartening me up. You know? <laughs> wow. Well uh, done. But, and that was truly just one moment in the show, you know, but by, by and large, the entire show was, uh, remarkably, it was well received. I was, and it was, Regardless of how it was received, because sometimes the audiences there are more of a, you know, a theater crowd than a stand up uh, going crowd. Yeah. And so some nights, you know, were some nights were loud and raucous. Some nights were quiet. But afterwards, everyone is like, what? a You know, like they're moved and they had an experience like uh, they had an experience. Just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some like, sort yeah, of experience. Absolutely. People come up to me after like, wow, that was something yeah. hey uh wh what just happened was you know but don't let anyone tell you that it wasn't because that was but there was there was actually one particular show that i feel like i learned a lot from uh it was like one of the big maybe i think the biggest audience that we had uh and also it got the crowd got a little quieter at times and uh, i didn't even know that it was a sold out crowd because the lights were in my face and uh, I'm backstage before I come out. Sure. And, uh, but I found out later, I'm like, oh, wow, it was completely, uh, completely sold out. And, and one, and on the quieter side. And so I felt that I, I, the thing that I learned after, and talking with my, my girlfriend sort of debriefing afterwards, uh, is that like, sometimes I think, sometimes I forget that I am, uh, an important variable in the equation of how the show goes, by which I mean, like, of course, I, I'm doing the show. I'm doing the show all the time. And my goal is to, you know, especially with a show that I was over there doing the exact same hour, you know, 25, 26, 27 days in a row. And, you know, 
ideally not, you know, just uh, phoning it in, not just, you know, going on autopilot, but truly, you know, uh, being in the moment and like, you know, in some ways being more like an actor than I normally am, like where the part is me and, you know, the part is me excited about the stuff I'm saying, you know, uh, and present with it. And but so sometimes since I've been doing the show for several years and it really feels like it's, you know, pretty close to locked in place and uh, optimally ready to record this year as a special, uh, the there is a possibility, like, you know, when I'm compared to when I'm like, you know, uh, doing a set full of new experimental things like making discoveries and riffing and being like, oh, wow, look, I'm I'm enjoy like I'm enjoying finding what I just said, just like the audience is. And that's like, you know, a beautiful communion of a kind. Uh, but the other side, you know, the, the, the fully curated honed, you know, uh, like the symphonic masterpiece of the, of the set, the, like the well orchestrated, like, you know, like you go see a, a Stephen Wright show and every, you could see him in two different cities and it'll be, you know, 90 minutes of seemingly, you know, random jokes, but all in the same order, in the same way, planned and honed. And, and so I'm, I had this idea going into Edinburgh. I'm like, I have, the, I know what the show is. This is the show. I'm presenting the show. And so on this one particular night, uh, so I, I, I have this idea, like either people are, they're going to, they're going to love the show or they're going to feel however they feel about the show. Like I'm, I'm going to present the show and then it's up to them. But after that night, we, we realized, I realized, uh, like that, that's, it's not as much a binary as that. It's much more of a spectrum that, you know, there's a way that an audience, a, any given audience could love the show based on what I'm doing specifically that night, you know, in the, in the confines, you know, in the, in the imprisonment, in the, uh, trapped in, within, uh, you know, the walls of my own making, um, that I love. Uh, love being trapped in the walls of my own making. And yeah, you try it. You know, There's make, an album title. Yeah, make, build yourself a house, your walls of your own making. And <laughs> that would be a good album title. And anyway, I I feel like, you know, I've been doing comedy for more than 20 years and I it's always good to be like relearning these lessons. Like, oh, like it's important to like, here, I'll say what resulted uh, after, the, I think there was like a week's worth of shows after that. And every show that I did after that, I sweat through my shirt, like, like I, I drenched myself in sweat uh, more than any other show that I've been doing up to that point, just huh. because I felt like I, I was like, oh, it's Im important to be like present and move and like, you know, performing and like delivering in every moment. Not like I was standing still before I was sweating a little. Do people here at Acme this week, then, is the key to just to stare at your armpits to see if you're working hard or not? <laughs> well, this week at Acme, yes, obviously, that's the place to stare. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll answer your question. Face value, number one, 100%. Yes, of course. Look at my armpits. Uh, I mean, I have gotten perhaps a better deodorant than I had over there. Who can... Who can say? So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of variables. There's no. There's no one size fits all way to enjoy a Mike Kaplan comedy show. Uh, but one way is to stare at my armpits and imagine. You know. But uh, I will say that this week. Uh, so I remember. You know, last time I was here, we talked about how the show that I was doing then it was this. You know, 
completed work, this yeah. curated show. Mm -hmm. And the time before that, I think the summer previous, uh, I was, I had some notes and I was like, yeah. I have a lot of things that I want to get through. This week is more like that. Uh, I have a bunch of like more, you know, a few weeks ago when I was like, I'm, my goal is to be recording a new hour of comedy or uh, as close to an hour, whatever it is. I'm recording a new album, a new chunk of material this week while I'm here, like stuff that has never been recorded before, uh, never been released, you know, just jokes that uh, some of them I've, you know, done for years, but just have never fit into uh, into an hour. Sure. Uh, some that are newer and I'm excited to get down. You know, when, when Todd Barry's first album came out, I think it's called Medium Energy and like his opening track is about how he's like, something like, it's like, ah, this is uh, an album full of uh, jokes that I've been doing for years and I'm sick of. And uh, a few that are uh, new and I'm excited about and aren't ready and I shouldn't be recording them, you know? <laughs> and so I'd say this is, you know, uh, a version, a version of that where, you know, they're, they're all the, what, the ones that get recorded and released. Those, those are the ones that are ready to be recorded. But some of them are like ideas that are still, you know, like finding new, new sprouts, new, uh, new branches, new, new growth. Sure. Uh, and some I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is this one. Here is this one. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but I do, you know, I, I will, uh, come out with, uh, with a notebook that has our syllabus in it. And I will, I will share at the top of the show, like the general topics uh, to be discussed. And uh, at the end, make sure that I did hit them all, which I will have not because <laughs> I did find myself halfway through my set last night. And I'm like, we're on, uh, you know, page uh, one quarter of a page out of two, you know? Uh, and, but a few weeks ago, I remember thinking like, I don't know how much new stuff I even have. I'm like, I think I've got a half hour. I'm sure I've got, a half hour of news. I've got this one and this one and this one and this one. And I've got I've got those and we'll see what else we have. But I did a warm up show for uh, it, in the run up to this last week in New York City at a wonderful comedy club I love called QED uh, Saturday afternoon show. People came out. I you know, I, I feel like an afternoon show is underrated uh, and perhaps I'm showing my age and just the desire to, uh, you know, not to just to be at home or get to bed early or whatever it might be, but to have a sense of accomplishment earlier in the day. Yes! You know? I like, am. Leave your house, come back home. Like, look, you did a thing at 3 p.m. and you did it. You did a a, a task, a job, a, an adventure. You had an, expe you had an experience. I like it, it. It was something. I like it. They show movies during the day? Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't, you know, Doug Benson does his 420 shows. That makes a lot of sense. Well, yes. Uh, Shane Moss, I was on tour with earlier last yeah. year, and he sometimes will just come, like, comedy club's doing something at night. He's like, I'll get people to come out during the day, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, any, anyway, I did that show uh, last week in preparation for uh, coming here to record this week. And uh, I I didn't get through I I did an hour or a little more and I didn't get through all the stuff and I'm like well I guess I guess there's always and it's interesting I think about sometimes like well maybe I'll save this for like another future hour about like that you know a cohesive thing like there's a chunk I have about meditation and I'm like I've got some other jokes about Buddhism and spirituality and religion like maybe that will all be like of a of a of an ilk you know for one one full more thematic hour later and i was like well i mean this is it's done now and i want to share it and uh I'll, I'll probably keep making more jokes 
later also. Like I'm I, I'm acting like I'm running out, but uh, yeah. but I'm I'm running in and I'm I'm running on. You know, <laughs> I'm like a sentence. Uh, so, so yeah, this is all to say uh, the thing I learned a, a valuable lesson in Edinburgh that it's important for me to, you know, do the job of comedian in order for the, like, sometimes like if I, I'm always do, I'm always doing something. Uh, but there's, I feel like, you know, uh, I give, I give myself a, a better, better grade since having that experience, uh, where I get, where I gave myself a, you know, could be improved, you know, like, uh, could be living up to his potential, could be improving and expanding his potential. This is all to say this week, uh, I'm, if you come to the shows at Acme, yes, look at my armpits, but also, uh, listen to my voice and the things that I'm saying, because these are, sometimes I, I will be, like I said things last night at the first show that have never been said before, might never be said again. That makes or, it so fun. And, and that'll, mm -hmm. that'll be happening. Uh, all week as I continue to like, uh, I think I've talked to you about the the blooming and the pruning phases of sure. of my comedy creation terms coined by Rini, my beloved girlfriend. Uh, and so I feel like that process is happening even in this given week. Like I, you know, prepared, I wrote out uh, a set list, uh, you know, a syllabus, a menu of jokes before going into last night. Uh, and then today I listened back and I uh, like, not noted how like how long everything took and what jokes I didn't get to that I wanted to get to that I'd like to throw in tonight be like what things will I condense or extract like what went perfectly last night and I don't have to do it again at all or what most of it yeah, I'm sure yeah, yeah yeah absolutely don't have to do anything brand new show came last night coming in tonight uh <laughs> but uh yeah it's so now it's like you know a miniature a microcosm of the blooming and pruning that the blooming and pruning pruning as well I'm gonna prune <laughs> Prune part of that M and make it an N. Uh, and so nice. like normally the blooming and pruning happens over the course of, you know, uh, months and years, but uh, it's also happening uh, in, in the, what's the opposite of slow motion? Fast motion. Uh, Minutes and seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I want to hop weak. in and tell you that it, um, I, you know, we've, we've, you know, we built a friendship here over the years, I think. Yes, that's correct. We are friends. Thank you. And, uh, I've, you know, learned things about each other and I have to tell you, Mike, that it brings me joy that you and Rini are still together. And I have to tell you that this pressure's on <laughs> this relationship. If it can't ever go south because uh, there's some people invested in this, including me. Uh, I appreciate that. And I mean, look. We, you did material about it. We're all invested now. Yes. It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I had my my girlfriend, the girlfriend that I dated before Rini, uh, who is a lovely lady, and we are still friends. And I remember I had some jokes about her and our and that relationship that I do remember. <clears throat> I think that. I recorded those jokes. Uh, yeah, I recorded my previous album. I recorded an album in 2016 in the summer. And that was also the summer that that relationship did end. Like, it, I think it ended like a month after the recording. And I, you know, look, obviously I can say anything with retrospect, uh, you know, with hindsight. Uh, be uh, like, I, I know exactly what what happened. You know, something you know, like, I knew what was going to happen. Because I know what happened now, later, and now I'm like, I'm me, that was me too. So like, I know, so I knew, you know, Absolutely. I'm not saying I knew exactly, but I did have a sense. I'm like, 
I'm glad I'm recording these jokes about this relationship because I, I think that at some point, you know, it might, if we're not in this relationship forever, uh, then I won't be able to tell these jokes in good faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to lie or do the classic comedian, uh, lie. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this relationship, uh, that has been going, uh, for seven and a half years. And uh, I mean, this is like, uh, this, this, this is it. This is, you know, the one that I, I'm not, you know, none of us knows the future. And the, at some point, you know, our plan, our plan is to, Rini and I, we, we plan to be together, you know, until we're, uh, I don't know, 100 or whatever it is. Uh, she's a couple years younger than me, so like 195 or whatever. 105 and 100, you know, 200 and 195, you know, about a thousand. We'll both live 2000. We plan to die at the same time because otherwise it's uh, really sad to, you know, like, you don't, you don't think about it uh, extensively for a long time, but be like, man, at, you know, we're, I mean, worst case, good news. Good, here's the, gr- here's great news about our relationship that I realized uh, this is a, a new, I'm taking out my digital recorder oh, to record go. it yes. for a joke yes. as well. Here it is. Uh, the one great thing about being in a lifelong committed relationship with one other person who you love more than anything, more than anyone in the world, uh, is like the good news is at most only one of you is going to be horrified and traumatized by the loss of the other person. It's not going to be that you both like. Like Romeo and Juliet, they were like, one of them was like, oh no, my partner is dead and then killed themselves. And then the other one woke up and was like, oh no, my partner is like, that's like the worst. That's, and that's an almost impossible scenario in real life to, for both of you to have to grieve the loss of the other one. So bet, you know, so worst case, only one of us, it's like Russian roulette, only one of us, like which one's it gonna be? Who's gonna be sad and who's gonna be dead? That's my Western I'm working on, the sad and the dead. But, uh, but yeah, but, but the best worst, case. Yeah. Worst case scenario, I'm Romeo and you're Juliet. No, 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 yeah. no, that's not worse. Yeah. That's not worse. No, 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 dude. Yeah. Exactly, and so, uh, yeah, Good. the good news is our plan is to both die uh, in in our same sleep, and then meet up <laughs> meet up in a dream, and then uh, start the next start the next thing simultaneously peacefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the dream. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, truly, I appreciate your investment, your support, your yeah. uh, what would be pressure if I didn't feel <laughs> completely comfortable. That's and, true. I don't and confident. Yeah, uh, lover. That's awesome. That is fantastic. I want to talk about something that is in the news. Uh, I, I think this just broke yesterday. Um, George uh, Carlin AI. Yes. What the, are you? Give me your thoughts. Uh, I just learned about it. Uh, first, is that uh, impressive that I knew what you were going to talk about in the news yet just yesterday? And I'm like, I know the thing. Um, Actually, that's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just saw it uh, like an hour ago that uh, there is a an AI-produced comedy special of not George Carlin himself, but that a George Carlin impersonator, uh, like, he trained the AI on his impression of Carlin after, like, you know, listening to all of Carlin's albums or watching his specials and being like, here's what he talks about. These are the kinds of things. And I, I will say there was one joke quoted in the article 
that I did like, which was AI Carlin saying something like, uh, you know, uh, talking about AI, a meta thing that I I, I enjoy. Um, right. there'll, there'll be some jokes about AI tonight in my show that I wrote, a human, me, with my own brain, with my brain with AI capitalized. Those are the letters. Uh, <laughs> those are the only vowels in the word brain. Also, the only vowels in plagiarism. Okay, so nice. the point is, there is this joke that I read that AI Carlin made that was something like talking about comedians' concerns that uh, that only a human brain and heart and life and essence could create, you know, meaningful art, meaningful creation, meaningful comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, it takes like it takes a human uh, to create the fart joke that I'm making, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, good, good one, AI. You know, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you could tell that that fart joke was written by an AI. Uh, I mean, I like that the article like heavily featured, you know, Kelly Carlin, Carlin's daughter, uh, the one that I read, uh, essentially, you know, taking them to task being like, he wouldn't have liked this. Uh, and, uh, like, which, you know, as close to like, uh, unless you're going right to the source, be like, imagine asking AI Carlin, hey, do you like the <laughs> idea of AI Carlin? Or asking Carlin himself, which we can't do, but asking, you know, a person who was made of, you know, who person who is literally half George Carlin uh, and who knew him uh, possibly the best, uh, being like, he wouldn't like it. And she's like, if you want to listen to him, he's got like, who out there has taken in all of the George Carlin? I love George Carlin, and I think I haven't. I mean, he has Same. 14 specials, yeah. however yep. many albums, yep. uh, books, and interviews. Like, there's a lot. It's like it's like Tupac, you know? Like, you constantly, even though he's dead, there's probably new actual Carlin material for you uh, for as long as you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all to say, uh, I. she also makes the point, she's like, listen to living comedians or listen to the work of human beings, you know, that there is something special. I saw, do you know Gianmarco Soresi, the comedian? Yes. He is, he's really funny. Yes. And I remember uh, seeing a tweet of his about uh, this concept that like, you know, I think he he gave an analogy of like, if you could have like a tightrope walker that was a robot, like that's not as exciting as like, a human being walking across a tightrope, like part of like the fallibility, like oh, yeah. the possibility of failure, like that makes the the risk and the adventure and the endeavor that much more like powerful and meaningful. And so, you know, in the like, if I mean, sure, if a if a robot can write a joke and we can enjoy it, great. But there's something extra special about you know something created by a human, something that comes to a human, through a human, the conduit that each of us is, you know, that we we all are these, you know, uh, like wabi-sabi, like infused, you know, like imperfect vessels. And we're all doing our best and, you know, to be our original, you know, unique selves. And uh, yeah, I mean, most of the jokes that I've seen AI create have, have also, I'm like, not currently, Worried about us all losing. Oh our yeah, jobs. I've I've uh, asked it to print to do some for you know that I've brought to the uh, podcast here. They're ter- they're always terrible. They're always terrible so far. I, I will say I did read one article by I think Simon Rich, who is a funny writer. Okay, uh, and he said that 
there are different, you know, there's different AIs, you know, there's chat GPT, there's the what he said he there's one that's not necessarily I think all available to the public yet. We had a friend who's working at this company and that this particular AI, he's like, some of these jokes are I, I am a little worried. Uh oh, and, and they do print some of them in the article, but but also that needs to be yeah. destroyed immediately. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> Self-destruct. But, but no, we don't we don't have to we don't have to put them down. We just have to pick us up, smarten us up, you know, there you uh, go. But uh, I thought it was interesting when reading uh, Kelly Carlin's Kelly Carlin's comments that uh, she well, she was tweeting at uh, like Robin Williams daughter Zelda Joan Rivers daughter Melissa and the official Gary Shanley account to tell them they're coming for you next. Mm. I'm curious. I mean, you know, we'll be able to sit back and just see like uh, eventually there's going to be a, a survivor of one of these comedians that is going to be like, yes, I am for that. The opposite of Kelly. The I don't know who it's going to be. There is going to be somebody that's going to be like, you know, yeah, let's put more Robin Williams stuff out there. My dad. Like, somebody's going to like it and it's going to, I don't know. Yeah, well, and I guess what I'll say to that is kind of the same thing that I, or I'll start, I'll, I'll disclaim this. I don't know what I'm about to say, but uh, I stand by it until I don't. Um, so I remember like when the, when the female Ghostbusters movie came out. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, backlash by uh, dumb men, you know, like I'd say mostly, mostly dumb men. Uh, and, and like the, the storyline, the narrative of like, it's ruining my childhood, you know, and it's like, you know, you're not what ruined your childhood was uh, growing up, you know, it was your own. <laughs> like you can't first of all, like they're not like they're not covering over all they're not like recording over. The original, all the copies of the original Ghostbusters with right. this new one. So you this can, is Ghostbusters, the only is, Ghostbusters. Yeah, there is only, yeah. They're not, they're not doing a, what is it, like a Berenstain Bears, you know, like a Mandela effect. Yes, uh, right. there was no Bill Murray. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't even know what. <laughs> it's all all female reboot of reality, you know, and like so that clearly, like, look, if you don't want to watch the new movie, you don't have to watch the new movie. Uh, but you can just you can watch the one that you love from your childhood uh, anytime that you want. And so the good news is, I'd say similarly, like if you love all of the Robin Williams uh, that material that exists now, or all the Carlin material that exists now, like I don't think that uh, you know AI like deep fakes or whatever. I mean, like hopefully we'll be able to you know ascertain like well no if the person is dead like this new stuff coming out this is like oh we just discovered you know like it'd be weird but like as long as we know what's what and we're like yeah, oh, yeah like don't... hey how about an yeah you know, like there's elvis impersonators and i don't think that that like lessens the legacy of elvis <laughs> like elvis how many have you seen yeah i mean maybe, i think some of them do actually <laughs> i mean I, and perhaps you know, i'm not a big legacy guy to uh, to begin with, and uh, let everyone know that forever. I want everyone, <laughs> yeah, let it be reverberated through the cosmos that Mike Kaplan is not a legacy guy. No. Doesn't care. I'm a right now guy. I'm a right here guy. This is the stuff. This right here, right now. And, and no one can ever forget that. And I'll tell you, there is someone, uh, a guy reached out to me, like a uh, Facebook fan friend person who was like, I'm trying to like set up a comedy AI situation. Like, would you like to be an AI in this thing. And I'm like, kind of like, what do I like, what, you know, not like in a, in a selfish way, what's in it for me, 
But like the thing that's in doing comedy for me, the thing that's in even like doing workshops or, you know, I've taught like lessons to kids at a summer camp, you know, doing comedy workshops, like, and because that's, he's like, you could have, people could take classes with the learn from the the AI comedian Mike Kaplan version. And I'm like, but what, I mean, I, I assume at a certain point, maybe the thing that would be in it for me would be money. But like the, the thing that I love doing for money is comedy. <laughs> uh, you know what I love doing for money? Comedy. Uh, I, I love, I mean, truly, like so often, I, here's a, I wonder if I ever told you this. Uh, I remember there was a show, I, uh, a night in Boston where I had three shows. I was starting out comedy in Boston. It's probably like around 2007 or something. I had... Uh, I had three shows. One of them, the earliest show, I was opening for I think Greg Barrent uh, and at a giant, at a big theater in Delhi, thousand people. Uh, I'm opening, doing about ten minutes, getting paid like I don't know, seventy five bucks or a hundred bucks. True. Uh, and then the next show I did, I was uh, featuring. I was in the middle spot. You know, I wasn't the opening act. I, I wasn't the headliner, and I was probably getting like uh, fifty bucks. You know, to do twenty minutes. So I was like, more time. Uh, but le less money, whatever it is. And then the final show, I was headlining a free show. I was doing, you know, a half hour <laughs> and uh, getting nothing. But here's the thing is, I mean, they were all fun. I loved doing all the shows, but the show that was my, the free show of me headlining was like the most fun, in part because I like felt the most free. I could do whatever I want. I mean, I could do whatever I want all the time, but you know, sometimes when you're hired to do a gig for more money, you're like, well, now I'm I'm obliged. I feel an obligation to provide them the service that they're paying for, yeah. uh, suckers. You know, <laughs> uh, and so I feel like, yeah, I love the thing that I love about doing comedy. The point uh, the point is is like the creation of it, the the discovery, like be it off stage and or on stage, and the actual human connection. I don't want to like. I wonder what it's like for you know. Uh, do you know James Patterson, the author? Of course. Uh, I think he is the best-selling author in the world. I think, uh, and like I've read some, I read some of his books years ago, and they're very exciting. I love that the chapters are two pages long, very frequently. Like great feeling of accomplishment. Like like going to a show in the afternoon, be like, wow, one chapter done already. How about that? <laughs> Boom, another one. Oh, look at that. That's double. Uh, and so what he does now, I mean, in addition to, I'm sure he writes some books all himself, but he has a lot of like partnerships where he like maybe doesn't outline. And I don't know how it exactly works, but a lot of his books, if you see, they're like James Patterson with someone else. Hmm. And and that's cool for that person. And he, he gets a lot more stuff out there in the world and a lot more money in there in his face. Uh, put your money where your mouth is, you know, in your face. <laughs> and, uh, and like, truly, like, no, like I, I present this neutrally, but I wonder... Like, I don't, I, I'm trying to imagine if, like, the equivalent in comedy, like, if I ever got to a point uh, where I was so successful and there was such demand for my comedy that they're like, hey, we need more. And I guess maybe the equivalent, you know, the closest thing is if a comedian, uh, if, if Netflix is like, we want to put out a special of yours every however often. And you're like, well, I only really make a new hour every twice that often. Like, you know, sometimes you know, successful, uh, you know, financially achieving comedians will hire their friends to help them, you know, create more material sure. at a faster clip, which can be fun to collaborate with your friends as well, though it is a different thing than the, you know, than the the creation discovery on one's own. But like, I'm kind of a, 
I'm kind of now of, of two minds about that. Like that would be a lot of fun to be able to hire my friends to be like, you you be me now. Don't, like give me the results of you being me. And uh, and what is AI other than a friend that's not a person? Uh, <laughs> and the answer is it's uh, the, the relevant portion of that emphasis on it's not a person. Uh, and I do think that there is something, you know, magical and beautiful about the creation and discovery process of a human being leading right up to the uh, discovery ultimately that uh, there that none of us are real in a in an ultimate inherent meaningful way uh, and that we're all basically like we're all kind of AI like whose intelligence isn't artificial you know uh, <laughs> I knew all this from the first day <laughs> I got one more thing I want to bring up and Please. then we'll put a ball on this thing um, I'm not gonna say who my wife um, <laughs> She, we came to a show here. Oh, I'll say who it is. Honey, I love you. And I'm not, I, we're just going to get this out here. I'm, I'm putting this out there to help her. Okay. Uh, we saw Jimmy Pardo here. Love you. Jimmy Pardo. And let me say, look, I'm really invested in your marriage and I hope it survives whatever's about to happen. <laughs> Jimmy Pardo, uh, a delight. Can I tell you a quick Jimmy Pardo thing? Sure. His podcast, Never Not Funny. I've been fortunate enough to do. Uh, a few times over the years and uh, a really fun thing, you know, like that is different about the way that he does his podcast uh, and like you do your podcast per se is like when I came in here, uh, we weren't recording. You were, you were seated. We had a little chit chat back and forth and we're like, all right, now let's get into it for his podcast. Uh, uh, in the past, I remember the first time I did it, I show up, He's not even there yet. There's like, you know, uh, Matt Belknap is yep. there and uh, other like producers and sure. people running the show. They're there. Darren. They're like, yeah, exactly. So you have a, you did your research uh, for my story that we didn't even talk about. Uh, I, you know, I come in there like, have a seat, check the levels. And then like, you know, right at, you know, showtime, I'm there five minutes before, 15 minutes before. Jimmy like, you know, busts in the door and he like looks around the room. He's like, all right, that shirt looks weird. And this is something. Okay, let's get a, get on the mic now. Don't miss a moment to squeeze out every second. He's like, I'm not going to waste, a, you know, an instant of the never not funniness, sure. you know. Uh, and I, I always thought that that was in a way like uh, admirable and also, you know, uh, also kind of inhuman in a way. <laughs> okay, I was going to uh, say sort of nutty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so love, love Jimmy Bardo. So, so that's one of the funny. first podcasts I ever listened to back 2011, probably. It's, it's, it's one of the first podcasts. Time. Exactly. Yes. And I'm. Um, so we, uh, my wife and I come see him when he comes to town. We never miss it. I've been seeing him for years. Got my, my wife has become a fan, but here's what I want to get to. So we, last time we saw him, we chat, got to chat with him after the show. And she says to him, you're in my top five. <laughs> we leave. And she's like, why did I say that? That's <laughs> insulting. Is he insulted? <laughs> that is that is wonderful. Uh, is it an insult, Mike, if my wife said to you, Mike, you're you're my top five. I think you're so good. Uh, I will say that I don't think I I would feel insulted. In fact, like uh, Eminem, one of my favorite comedians in my top five, uh, Eminem, the hip hop artist, uh, he himself has a song where he puts himself in his own top five because he's like there's biggie and tupac and like i think that most you know i can't speak for jimmy pardo but i bet that jimmy pardo could name five comedians that he would be or if he only has to name four four other comedians that he would if even if he is number five what what if she was like you're in my top five 
And just to clarify, you're at the top of it. You're number one in my top five. Uh, yeah. Oh, but somebody's got to be number one. In what my a top misdirection. Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. But uh, so yeah, this is all to say, uh, if Jimmy is like me, which in some ways perhaps he is, and in other ways he's not. Well, let's get him on the horn. Um, I, I'll speak for myself. If your wife told me that Jimmy was in her top five, that would not insult me. Uh, no. And if she told, if I hear that, I just wanted you to know, I love him. You know, so here's here's two little related stories. One is when I was uh, I was a resident assistant at Boston University uh, when I was starting out doing comedy in grad school there. And there was a fellow RA, a co somebody, a coworker of mine, uh, who was familiar with my comedy. And she told me, she was like, she's like, I'm a little shy because like, you're my second favorite comedian. And I was like, wow, who's your first favorite comedian? And she said, Jay Leno. And I was like, what an interesting top two, you know? Wow. And I was like, and and who are the other comedians that you know? And she's like, you're the only two. Anyway, but uh, that, that part is not true. That is uh, that is uh, that last part is an addition just for comedy. But the rest of it is a hundred percent true. This is also this is a bit that I do sometimes. Uh, not this week. It's for a future album. But my mom, throughout the uh, the lockdown phase of the pandemic, watched me do a lot of uh, Zoom shows, Instagram live shows. You know, whatever shows she could remotely enjoy. Whatever she could remotely enjoy. Uh, Even a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. And so. <laughs> Uh, after, you know, she would see me and a few other comedians, sometimes like my good friend Liz Glazer, sometimes uh, just, you know, comedians who she'd never heard of or met before. But yeah. after each one, she would, uh, sometimes we would debrief and she'd be like, here's my new top five. Number one, you, Mike Kaplan, my son. Uh, number two, and then the others would be just like the comedians that were on that show, you know, like last in, first out. Sure. And... <laughs> And, uh, but like, here's a, a funny thing. We saw Paul Reiser live on my birthday a couple of years ago. And he is truly, he's the first comedian who I ever saw a special of. And it stands up. It's still from 1991. I think it's called Three and a Half Blocks from Home or Six and a Half Blocks from Home. Some number, I don't know how far from home it was, but some number of blocks and a half. And it, I watched it when I was 13. And then I watched it again when I was about 43. And I was like, wow, this is... Uh, it's really interesting to see like the kind of connective tissue that I absorbed of like some, like I'm not a comedian that's like Paul Reiser, right. but there are some things that I'm like, if I hadn't seen this special, I think I wouldn't be the exact comedian. Very interesting. Who I am. Anyway, after that, you know, we've, I've seen other comedians with my mom. We've seen Mike Birbiglia on Broadway. She had just seen Seinfeld live as well. So she told me after we saw Paul Reiser, new top five, number one, Mike Kaplan, number two, Paul Reiser up Pat, zoomed past everyone else. He, uh, he really rose up the lift. He was a riser. Anyway, the point is, number three. That's not even part of the joke. Don't even worry. That's, uh, that's well different. Uh, number three, Mike Birbiglia. And then she's number four, a tie, Liz Glazer and Seinfeld. And then she said, uh, now, don't, don't spread this around uh, since I've gotten permission. But she said, don't spread this around because I don't want to get back to Seinfeld that I prefer Paul Reiser. No, anyway. no. <laughs> and I, that is now one of my, look, I don't have a lot of life's goals. I, my goal is to do comedy. I get to do it. I'm fortunate. It's my dream. I'm living it. I'm here in this moment. I love it. An additional dream I have is to one day have it get back to Seinfeld that yes. my mom prefers Paul Reiser. Paul, hey, you're in, you're in my mom's top five. <laughs> With Paul Reiser. Yes. And, <clears throat> and then I want him on no laugh track so I can ask him if that's an insult. I'd love, but truly, yeah, I think, <laughs> I especially, I don't think it is an insult objectively. Yeah. Like, 
unless it could you could glean that it was intended that way. I think the the intent is clear. The intent is to compliment. Yeah. And and the also so in practice I think that comes across. And yeah, I think the intent like the person like I want to say a nice thing. Like and then we all so many of us have had oh god, why did I say that thing? Yes. Why did I how did I I did not what I meant. I, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we went through that whole moment. But I will after this text Jimmy and ask if he remembers that and seeds about it forever. <laughs> Pass along. I'll tell. Like she didn't get to finish. You're the number, the first, the top one in the top five. Uh, yeah, I think it just. It's like it's a variation of. I, I wonder if this is parallel makes sense. Mike Birbiglia had a joke long ago that I love and think about every once in a while, where he's like, you know, sometimes people ask me if I heard something and I'll heard of something. They'll be like, Have you heard of this thing? And I, I if, even if I haven't, I'll, I'll say like yes. Which whenever I say I'm like, it means like I haven't but I like you, you know, that's right. what that yes means. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when someone says anything to someone after enjoying their comedy, like the, the translation of it is, I like you, you are, you are good. You have entertained me. You are, you are worthwhile. You are valuable. Look, we're all one. So we're all in my top one. How about that? There you go. So for the, uh, next time, Jimmy, you know, he'll be back within the next year. I'm sure uh, my wife and I will rehearse. I like you. <laughs> and here's the thing. I will say my, my first, when I met Jimmy Pardo, uh, he was doing warm up for Conan's Tonight Show. Yes. And I was uh, appearing. My first late night talk show appearance was on Conan's Tonight Show in December of 2009. And I did the set. And I don't, I don't think I met, maybe we, I met Jimmy in brief before. Like, oh, the warm-up guy, whatever. Like, oh, yeah, comedian. We, we, we sure. know each other. But we didn't have an extensive conversation. And after my set, which went well, uh, I was in my dressing room, and he uh, he poked his head in and was like, uh, didn't care for it. And then just on his way. And then and then I think he 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 came back in and was like, I just want to make sure you know I'm joking. And uh, that's like, we're not super close, but uh, that's the way I show love. Anyway, the point is, uh, I think that even if you ask, if you ask Jimmy, like, how he felt about it, uh, like, did you feel insulted? Like, oh, of course. Yes, how else yes. did I feel? Like, it seems like it is like top five. But clearly, it's if, if I was my if I was fourth, you'd say top four. If I was third, you'd say top three. Yes. If I was second, say top two. Top five means top fifth. You know, unless right. without any other context. Uh, so that's my. Uh, I before we got here today, I actually asked AI to give me a Jimmy Pardo impersonation, and uh, that was it right there. Um, <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you so much. Yeah. I could tell the difference <laughs> between you and the real one if he was here, but yes. pretty good. Understood. Pretty good. Yeah, he's not here, so this is the best we got. Yeah. Um, all right, so finally, um, you're here through the weekend. This will be posted as soon as possible by uh, Malcolm, who is such a hard worker here at Acme. Uh, yeah, so follow you on social media. Uh, keep an eye out for more stuff being recorded and yes. absolutely come to the shows. Finally, did you bring, I've left here with, uh, I bought a poster from you in the past. Last year there was that book, the mm -hmm. art with your friend. Uh, yes. Is there anything this year? Uh, I, I still have the posters. I still have, uh, I'm still really excited about the book. Yeah, uh, and I do have, I don't know if I had them last year. Uh, I have written jokes that, appear in some greeting cards. Uh, is this familiar to you? No. Uh, so there was a company called Frank and Funny that 
uh, is no longer uh, operational. Okay, you, I, you know I that? remember this. Yeah, so yeah, it was a, a comedian, uh, David Crow. David Crow, yeah. Chad Daniels had some on there. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, for, for years, you know, it was a fun thing that you could uh, submit jokes. You know, they'd be like, we need happy birthdays, we need graduations, we need miscellaneous, whatever, just send us jokes. And if they, you know, whatever their committee decides to put your joke in a card, like here's one of mine that, so I, the company, you know, stop being a company and they're like, hey, do you want the cards that we didn't sell that have your jokes on them? And I was like, of course, please, thank you. And so I think, I, you know, I don't forget how many I sold to them over the years, but uh, I have two left, uh, two types of cards. One of them is like happy birthday. And on the inside, it says something like, uh, oh, you just uh, beat your record of uh, most years alive, you know? And uh, the other one is uh, something else cute, but one that sold out that I don't have any more of. So you can't have this one. You can only have it here in this uh, audio NFT version. Uh, it is uh, pretty audio nifty. Um, it was uh, on the front. It says, you and I are like reclining chairs. And then on the inside, it says, we go way back. And so if you like jokes like that, uh, you can't have that one. But you can. There's a couple other greeting cards. And also, I say things that are not like that at all. So if you didn't like that, uh, come on out to the show. But yeah, we got we got greeting cards. We got albums. We got books. We got I, always, I always thought that Frank and whatever it was called, uh, the greetings cards from comedians, was such a great idea. Like, why wasn't that in stores? I know I was just kind of sold online. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know the whole business thing, but it <laughs> seems like I'm going to buy the idea and we're starting it up again. There is, I mean, there certainly was a market for it and or maybe there wasn't. Who knows? Yeah. The company, uh, maybe they achieved their goal. Like, we sold as many as we wanted to. You know, capitalism, but like, we finished. Yeah. Probably. No more necessary. Probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is, It's a. it was a cool opportunity for comedians and, you know, there are so many like corny cards out there uh, and I'm responsible for some of them. Uh, but you know that there are some, some comedians like jokes are really like, you know, right on for. Oh, perfect. They're, some are tailor made for the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, Taylor uh, Tomlinson and uh, various other, you know, Taylor, uh, Taylor Connolly is a comedian I started out with and uh, Taylor Williamson, of course. Yeah. Many of many jokes are tailor made. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're the best. You never cease to amaze me, even though I, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I love you. I love having you on. I love you. I thank you. And uh, look, when we stop talking, I may cease to amaze you, but uh, but I'll I mean I'll I'll start amazing you again uh, pretty soon. Awesome. I'll take a break. I just take a break. You gotta rest. Take a Sabbath here and there. Take a breath. You know, meditate in the morning. You know, I mean, maybe it's maybe the fact that I cease to amaze you also uh, continues to amaze you. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to No Laugh Track Podcast, the show with a new comedian headliner every single week with me, the host, Justin Severson. The show is produced in the heart of Minneapolis's North Loop neighborhood at the legendary Acme Comedy Club. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, and watch the video version on our official No Laugh Track YouTube channel. Wherever you are enjoying the pod, remember, drop a like, leave a review, and please tell your friends about the show. And most importantly, Come to Acme and see my show in person.